No, I want a rules crunchy magical wanna... girl system. No! Rules light shit. Hello and thanks for tuning in to At The Table. As always, we have our incredible host, CJ. Hi, I'm CJ. Jess. Hello, I'm Jess. And myself, Sam. Uh, this week, we are our discussion topic is going to be preparation for your session, uh, whatever, whatever TTRPG of your fancy it is. And we're going to kind of go over the different variances thereon. Um, but uh, this week, or rather since last time we've recorded, what have we been up to, team? Dragonlance. We've been up to Dragonlance. Like, pretty much exclusively Dragonlance. Not not for nothing. And I think we covered this in the last episode. We have found Mm -hmm. ourselves in a group of people that work so fantastically well together. It's one of the greatest campaigns I've ever played in. Um, It's all I can talk about to anyone who will fucking listen. I'm dropping an F-bomb within the first minute of the podcast. That's how excited we are about (laughs) Dragonlance. (laughs) But we have all been playing Dragonlance and have been having a wonderful time. And yeah, it really, the last session that we played really affected, I think, all of us. Yeah, yeah. I was very tempted to change our topic to, uh, to, uh, like, session bleed, uh, an emotional bleed after last session. (laughs) What if we we talked about that? (laughs) What what if we talked about that? Um, However, I need to do more research on that one before we get to it. Fair um, understandable but yeah i think we i think we managed to talk to our gm last time and i think he had so jordan had so much prepped and then we just had like a little merry old time in the town we just what if what if we what if we just talked to each other about our feelings and then went into a tent where another one of our players had made a little sleepover area and made a big, nice, lovely speech about how we're a team. What if? What if, what if we just did that instead? What if, yeah. What if? What if we made a shopping episode, which mm-hmm. is traditionally one of these slower, um, more out of character episodes where people just get their bearings? What if we? What if we took that and turned it on its fucking head and made it so? Charged with emotion that four <laughs> out of five cast members just cry. Yeah, um, I cried. And yeah, no, it, I think Dragonlance as a setting, especially because it is a war setting, is mm. highly charged already. Mm-hmm. Now you can you can take it a couple of ways. You can take it the very much we're going to come at it swinging route, strategic uh, tactics, all of that. Or you go high heavy role play and everybody has a background in it. Everybody's done... Uh, you know, we are we are the, the orphan uh, with no parents and we are we are searching for something else. And there's a lot of emotion there that everybody's playing out. We have gone with the latter, obviously. And in the setting, it is fusing us together fast. And it's so good as a, as a setting in particular, I think, uh, to pull Trauma it, uh, bonding. Yes. We love it. Yeah. <laughs> but we're pulling it together um, as that group. And it's really amazing to see how... All of the characters in the campaign, um, the, from the mayor through to um, uh, the, the guards, through to the, the, the what 
we think is the villain, the guy that annoys us, that we kind of want to trip Our up. antagonist. Yes. Fuck that guy. How that all of guy. them have been perfectly crafted and, and I think played very well by our GM to mm. elicit mm-hmm. these different differing responses. But it, it's done the job so well. The setting is so well established. I can't wait to play every week. So yes. yeah. It's delightful and I've just been so happy and encouraged like one of our players who's arguably done some of the most I mean we've all been really like let's do some emotionally charged but uh, this player has made some really great big moves um, like that speech I described before said just offhandedly once like oh it's really nice because I've gotten to um, explore some like characterization and some things I wouldn't have done in other groups. Um, mm. And I was just like, yes! <laughs> Straight in the vein. That's a good shit. That was gutter. <laughs> yes! When you can bring someone else into the foray and find their love of role playing um, in the way that you play. Oh, it's, get, it's been get great. It in. <laughs> like everybody's really just yes, but it was just it was just that one little comment. Uh, it was just such an offhanded comment, but to me, I took that and I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten so excited that my activity monitor has just gone off, warning me my heart rate has risen. <laughs> That's nice. Not even playing it. We're just talking about it. Um, But yeah, I would say Dragonlance at this point, what, we're like the first act in? I don't know how many acts are on it. We've just moved into the second act, I believe. I think that when we were, to keep from spoilers, sailing down the water Hmm. was the end of the first act, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's... I think it's very interesting because there's a number of different D&D games that I've played where like one or two people will have viewed the setting and the system and then gone, I want to do something slightly on the edge of that. And that's been fine for most of the campaigns. But I think all of us have like identified bits within both the, the backgrounds presented, the new subclasses and some of the lore. And we've all gone, actually, this, like not... Not so much choosing some of the edge bits. We've all chosen bits within the main bulk of the text. And then yes. we're just playing around within the space. And obviously the text of Dragonlance is there like, well, I, you know, I've got plenty more to show you. And so we're just playing around with that. And no one, I don't think anyone feels like, I think all of our characters feel very unique. And I wouldn't say outsider-ish. I think they all feel like individuals coming with, into a group yeah. Um, and I think yeah. they, they have moments of isolation, but I don't think any of them, I don't think there's like one character that's like Stormy McBroodlord, the, no the rogue way. with uh, dripping venom daggers going like, God. Okay, I have just... I have a question. So when we all first started <laughs> playing together, because like, I, so mm. CJ and I have never met in person. Um, yes, I've never true. met uh, James. And, mm. uh, I haven't met Lucy either. So when we all sort of came together and all introduced our characters and all sort of saw one another really at the table for the first time, did you get the impression that anybody might be Stormy McBrew? Br- Brew- oh, yeah. Who did you think? James? <laughs> okay, same. 
And the best part is, <sighs> like, just to out him completely at this point, he's the one that's been really making these amazing characterization choices yes. and, like, Captain bringing, actively mellow. bringing the party together. And oh, hell yeah. It's just like, I, I would have been fine either way, but I'm so pleased with this outcome. <laughs> Role-playing with James feels like biting into a bow bun. Oh, that's yeah. a nice way of thinking. Yes. Warm in the middle. Very, very, very meaty. Very meaty. Very Soft he and keeps, fluffy like a cloud on the outside. He keeps seeing all these moments um, and being like, okay, let's draw on this. Yes. Uh, and, and, uh, but he also, it's, he's not always just going, I'm going to add on to other people's moments. He still has like a drive for his character as an individual. And there have been moments of tension and conflict that he's brought to the table mm. in a way that's nuanced and not in a way of like, oh, I'm mad at you, so I'm going to storm off type of thing. Right. It's like, I feel differently to how your character feels, but in order to do this, we've got to move on. There was, um, a, at the beginning, or sort of first or session se uh, mm. session, first or second session, there we go, um, an insult was hurled at an NPC in World, and James's character stepped forward with the staff and um, and like slammed it down and just and was like stop mm. um and that immediately to me set james's character yeah as mm -hmm. rightful justice absolute cleric but also defense and ready to move into action without being encouraged but also willing to engage with the story entirely mm. yeah yeah and i mean that i got a little bit like I had an I had a nice in even in the beginning because we had decided our two characters had been traveling together. Mm. Um and so, you know, we we had they had both sort of warmed up to each other a little, but my character is still pretty cagey. Um and uh his character initially was was somewhat cagey as well, and we had sort of come to the agreement that they had both just not bothered each other like mm. they were just like it's nice to have someone around so we're not going to rock the boat um and so we came in and our two characters knew not much more about each other than any of the other characters knew about each other except for of course mm. um your two characters who've been traveling together so it was kind of a weird interesting balance of like we know each other a little bit but not yeah actually that much and well, it was pretty, i think it's, it's pretty very cool it's really good that i've noticed both you and james doing is you're cagey enough to uh, uh, as a character effect you're you're reserved there are things we have yet to find out and know about your characters yeah. but at the same time you're presenting delicious little crumbs <laughs> and not in a way that's they're like oh I need you to do this right now. It's just little morsels. That, that it feels like you're painting the edges of the painting to give us like a bit more framing, a bit more context. Mm. And the more we know, the more we can build on. Um, as such I'm a awful as, for it. as a good way to like <laughs> gauge our and gauge and like say to our interest without it being overwhelming. It's a really fine craft, and both of you are doing it really, really well. I appreciate that. I once waited an entire year into a, a real real world year. Wow. Uh, into a campaign before uh, my co-players found out that I was actually not a fighter but a sorcerer. Wait, what? Yeah. Um, so I played a character once. 
Uh, I have a lot of love for this character. It was one of the my favorite campaigns I've ever been in, and we were in it for for several years. Um, I played a character that fought with finesse weapons poorly. Had uh-huh. a rapier. I mean, he did fine, right? He did yeah. fine. Um, and he was he uh, he had grown up just ashamed of who he was because he felt he didn't fit the mold and what was really interesting about that story is that it turned out that he'd sort of internalized a lot of things in ways that weren't necessarily the way they were meant to be received and so he was putting a lot of that pressure on himself um but so he he tried to hide a lot of who he was, especially at the beginning. Okay. And, um, you know, the first thing that came out um, that he was, you know, more free to admit or whatever was like, uh, no, I just I just like guys. And it wasn't a world that had home homophobia, mm. but it was a setting where uh, his position in life, uh, his family had expected him to continue the family line. Okay. And so uh, it was one of those things where it was kind of like he again, he'd put pressure on himself that wasn't necessarily the pressure that was actually there. He internalized and misinterpreted the pressure. So how was it then that so, so that as, as a character backstory, it was forced into using finesse weapons to make it look like they were a fighter but were in actual fact using sorcery instead during most of the combat, I guess, during that year? So, how no. was it? How was it they were able to not pick up on that, is what I'm I didn't, wondering. I mostly did not use any magic at all. Oh my gosh, you went hard, you went beast mode. Wow, yeah. okay. And I had people being like, why haven't you optimized your character? Your fighter sucks. And I was like, yeah, he sure does. That's dedication. That's such dedication. I'm sure that's a Naruto meme where, like, they take off, like, the weights on their legs and they're like, finally, I can kick at full speed. And it was sort of like... That's amazing. Once or twice I did drop a spell when shit was getting, like, kind of dicey and I was like, okay, I can't... my, my, My stupid secret can't be the reason we all die. So once or twice I dropped a spell and, um, people didn't question it. I don't know if they thought that, like... Do you think they were just there, like, I'm in it, we just need one to survive? Of it was, yeah, one of those things was that. But another thing was that, like, especially by that time, we had gotten a few magic items. Ah, uh, okay. So Right. And uh, maybe maybe that magic item had cast that spell. Okay. Yeah. And our DM would just give us the information about the items and so on. And um, Yeah, I... That was like the ultimate. Uh, I don't think I would ever like. Well, you know, I'd never say never. But like fa- <laughs> faking an entire class for a year was 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 kind of like the the most um, drip fed story caginess I've ever done. Uh, I'm glad you've gone for the newer technique. Mm. <laughs> I, I, but also I guess. So your character was trying their best to hide it as well. Were you yeah, discussing it, it like, after or like between sessions with the other players or was it very much like a no? Uh, one of my one of my fellow players fell off her chair when uh, he cast a spell for the first time in front of them because I had not mentioned it to anyone. 
at all. Incredible. For you? Incredible. For some reason. I don't know why I did this, by the way. (laughs) That's character. That's that's character (laughs) development. You created an interesting character that's not just like a puddle of of a person. Like... Some people want to create a character that is super strong and can hit good and that's it. And they just want to go out and destroy shit. Other people want to create a history and a backstory and play as in-depth and down to their roots as humanly possible. And there is no wrong way to role play or have right. fun and play TTRPGs. I and what think am I- it's so cool that you did that <laughs> because that's fucking hard. Speaking One of, of my interest- goals for him... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say was to get over these things i have um the roots of my character for dragonlance are incredibly different i'm not going to give anything away but like i've set character arc goals for him Mm. as well and things that i want him to get better at and get over or see the value in or you know xyz and that was the it's the same situation for leon uh who was the sea sorcerer uh, ship captain that masqueraded as a rapier fighter for a year. Um, well, there we go. Like <laughs> there was, there were a lot of layers to that boy. Uh, found out that he was also like not fully uh, human, uh, which was something I didn't even know because I had left. Hi- I had left part of his backstory up to my um, GM. Mm. Fair. Um, that that my- takes a lot of trust, I think, as well. If you're going to put so much love and dedication, especially into a character that you've gone, no, no, I, I know who he is down to what he's hiding from the rest of the party, which is his class. Um, <laughs> I've put so much into that. DM. Oh, let's cocktail shaker this up. Like, let's add in <laughs> another element here. I was like, not even I will know. Like that's yeah, that's such a different way of doing it. And I, I really respect that. Passed away when he was younger, and um, I think we had established there was something going on there that we didn't know about. But like, really, all I thought and all I knew about was like, oh, she she passed away of a of an illness. That's a really nice way to Alexander Hamilton style, like. Alex got better, but his mother went quick, was Leon. Um, <laughs> That's a really and... nice... Any DM out there looking to do this with their own players, this is an incredible opportunity. Like, Because I've never heard of this before. Like, obvi- like, obviously leaving some details up to the DM, but never to this extent, because this is a huge amount of work for one character. Absolutely. And so... It was concealing so much a class, fun. concealing parts of your history from you, from myself, and which then was creating. Great because Leon, Leon didn't know. You no, know? there you so go. It's why a would, level of why do I need to know? Yeah, but, and I guess was that as rewarding for you as you are making it sound? Yes. Uh, again, this is, uh, and I'm already. We're like, I don't know how many episodes in, like six, eight, whatever of, of our Dragonlance campaign. Mm-hmm. But I'm already at a point where I'm like, this um, campaign has the same feeling and rewarding, like, you know, so I'm really jazzed about that. But this was a campaign that was really hard to live up to for like, not that anyone was living up to it as far as like GMs or other players or whatever, but that sort of lightning in a bottle feeling that you get when everything comes together. Yeah, that... Sam. So yeah, it was rewarding. Yes, <laughs> Have so like this is my first bottle lightning in a bottle campaign. 
mm. right? Have you ever experienced anything of this level, of this mag, like this sort of cohesiveness that we've really felt with Dragon Mars? Have you ever felt, or is this li- trying to live up to the expectation of another TTRPG I that think- you've played? I think what's really interesting is that we are, I think we've managed to hit the ground running with a good group, very, very reliable schedule. Um, We've been able to really strong characterization, great optimization uh, in terms of combat. I don't think I've ever played anything that's as well-rounded as this. And And I see what you mean, CJ, when like other campaigns that have been really powerful or meaningful like the first time that i picked up well when we were running uh the tyranny of dragons the rise of tiamat campaign as a home game like the way we were playing like six seven hour sessions on friday nights i remember those I, yeah. not yours specifically but the, the <laughs> I didn't seven hour friday there. night <laughs> i was i was just creeping actually <laughs> behind you most of the time I think Sorry. I think those sessions were just really long, and we got the 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 ability to do stuff that's just not afford. Like you don't you when you haven't got the time, you can't afford to spend it uh, doing stuff like we were doing. Uh, so it felt more. I don't know. It just felt longer. It felt lived in. But I think this Dragonlance stuff is like it's amped up. It's ramped up. But what I was gonna say before that is yeah. interesting characters, Jess. Mm-hmm. Imagine, so we've obviously got like, uh, we've got James and CJ's characters who've got like secret backstories that they're giving off crumb by crumb. Uh, Mine and your (laughs) character have such an interesting relationship. And and one of the things that I keep repeatedly doing to your character, who has lived a very long life, um, is (laughs) my character doesn't believe that your character has lived as long as they have. It's yeah. just like a throwaway thing. Like my characters live for like two hundred years. Your characters live for like just bef- like before the cataclysm, or just like just before to... the cataclysm. Yeah, but again, so... this isn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say we've ever spoken about specifics. But no. what I'm really enjoying about our dynamic is that we are improvising a lot of stuff. And if the yeah. other person just at any point turns around and is like, "Oh no, I don't remember that," or "You never told me that," then. Then it's a, a, a part of their friendship yeah. that they actually haven't discussed I, yet. I think it's interesting because we, I think we've established that we've been on the road together for five years. Five years. Thank you. Five I remember years. you remember doing that to yep. me in the camera last week. I was like, we've been traveling together for five years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was, so I, yeah, it, it's not. Um, I don't think there's everything that they would have discussed. I know I promised to send you like a word document of stuff that we'd have fleshed out, but actually I think improvising it has worked out really well so far. I think as From well. outside perspective, it's working great. Yay! <laughs> it's so good. I love watching them interact. <laughs> I feel with that dynamic, there is so... I think from the first session when we we sort of felt a little bit about the backstory of each person and yeah. and we heard that as players and then as characters had to choose how to react to a lot of stuff um, and try not to metagame as well. So I know that we had spoken separately. Like we've probably spoken about a lot of stuff. Our characters have spoken about a lot of stuff, but we have hidden painful elements. We have hidden the hardest yes. and darkest parts of ourselves. And maybe we haven't shared that. Mm. Um and then, for example, 
the the wake up that you did and it was a nightmare and it was there was a family scene and there was a lot going on and I was like okay processing this Mm -hmm. is this something we would have talked about probably not probably not and just having to sort of go off of cues like that and then going okay well five years we've been on the road we've been traveling buddies and companions we kept each other alive we've we've thought we've got war stories yes absolutely we've got our own stories together yes fantastic but will you have told me about the time that you lost everything will you have will i have told you about something similar will you know and and working that as a session by session thing i think works for this dynamic and we're good at it i like it yeah you guys are really good (laughs) at it which helps yeah I, i think a lot of people are very flexible um with the yes and you know yeah and that helps a lot in this group. Yeah. I think what's interesting is that we get to, we, we play quite light characters for the most part. And then when these, uh, you know, like, I'll not believe when Jess's character says, oh yeah, this thing happened like hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And I was like, not true, <laughs> yeah. fake. Um, but like, it's not Thank in like you. a mean way. It's just they're like, they're just telling stories in the way that like they tell stories. And then like, Jess will go for like a whole scene recounting stuff that happened in the past and it hits hard and i was just there like fuck i'm crying like I, and then just yeah but Go on. oh jordan. what was so intense last time jordan. it was beautiful no, whoop. so jordan, jordan is playing this to perfection because even though oh yeah Wall supposedly has all of these memories from 300 years ago whatever it may be fuck. uh all of these history checks that i am rolling and failing and failing more often than not and then being like oh i don't remember that can you tell me like oh maybe she hasn't been alive 300 years who knows guys i'm just saying or, or maybe just oh. a lot has happened <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe a lot has happened maybe a lot has it's Jordan... maybe you were born yesterday and you are in fact playing a long con like i did <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Who knows who who this furbolg might be? She might not even be a furbolg. The ears might be fake. Just to what? spite you all. Three um, kobolds and a jacket. <laughs> now that is just that is just one step too far. How dare you lie to me about being a furbolg? <laughs> how dare oh. you, Walmart, be a joke how, character? How <laughs> <laughs> and the best this part about this. Is that Walmart is yeah. has at this point become the furthest thing from a joke character. I, mean, I know, right? I wasn't expecting her to have um, divulged as much as she has at this point. I just no, figured so it would be glad. like a it, yeah. oh, if ever she is broken, she will break hard. But now she broke pretty quickly and with very little <laughs> pressure. It turns out she's just a little porn cracker. Just need with, someone else to make her cry. With, that was it. With Wall, um, I think. I think in different ways, everyone has been gel for this group. Mm. Uh, Wall has done it by being very sort of including of others and mm. and sort of, um, I don't want to say mentory. That's not the right vibe because like, Mother. but sort of like, look, like, yeah, a little mothering or think, maybe like a big sister sort of thing. Yeah, you it's know? definitely like um, a, a, a good guidance stuff. Like you're you're never like glomping on top of someone else's thing. You're like, oh, I can help them do a thing. You know, I'm big, yeah. I'm strong. I've lived a long time. I know what to do. Like you just supplement other people's stuff and it just makes it so much more cohesive. I think as a 
as a player in general, and especially through lockdown and any of the recent TTRPGs I've played, my character has always been a support role. Um, every time I've been brought in as an NPC or as like a one-shot character, um, my fa- one of my favorites, Biff, uh, a little grung boy who's designed as like a to help a party on their way, and has Rick been brought Biff. back in. You know, <laughs> we love my boy Biff. He's been brought back in multiple campaigns for that exact purpose. Mm. Um, I found I'm quite good at helping and uh, including and uh, bringing people in like um people who are new people who maybe haven't role played to a depth before giving them the spotlight for a bit um and dragging focus and pulling it around and sort of getting the whole group involved i've become all right at that that's one of my strengths as a player you are very good at that but you haven't done that to the detriment of your own character development yeah exactly this uh so wall is the first time i think i'm playing a character that is also big and hefty and Oh, she just wants to help and keep everyone alive, doesn't she? Just, um, but that's her oh. strength in many a many a compartment. A compartment. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. what I was getting at there is that you, I think everything, every bit we've gotten of Wall uh, has been fully believable, based on the way you've characterized mm. her. I don't think it's felt. Like she broke too early, or that anything shoehorned. I think that everyone's done a really good job of giving like just the right amount uh, yes. for you know each part, and it's uh, the characters have I- tracked along with the story. The reveal, yeah. all yes. elements of our past that are coming out, all work with what's happening. So I'm really excited to see the past of the characters that maybe we haven't seen too much of yet, like Valaris's and Aldar's. I'm very mm. excited to see more there. And I think we will. And that, again, this all of this, all of the, the knowing more about the characters is what really gets me uh, all het up and all hyped and ready for tomorrow's session. Our session is tomorrow, Tuesday. It's going to be Tuesday tomorrow, and I'm really excited. It's going to be Tuesday I can't tomorrow. Wait for Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, mm. I've been playing Dystopia Rising Evolution Ooh, on nice. Onyx Path, uh, the Onyx Path on Twitch. Uh, it is their uh, post apocalyptic uh, kind of zombie, zombie apocalypse. TTRPG. Um, I will talk more about it when we're further in because we are only one session zero and one actual episode in at this moment. Um, yes. To I don't know what day it is anymore. Tonight yeah. uh, is episode two. Oh, um, nice. In the middle of the night because I'm slightly insane. <laughs> but uh, it's great. It's really fun. It's very The Last of Us. Um, so it's topical at this point. It's a little bit, it's set a little bit later after the apocalypse, whereas, like, The Last of Us, you're getting your first generation of, like, teens and kids who've not known what the world was like before. This is about four generations after the initial apocalypse. Um, Zombies still exist. There are also, uh, people have mutated. Uh, There are different, like, people have mutated slightly to either resist things or have, you know, other ways that their bodies have coped with this. Um, It is, the other way that it reminds me of The Last of Us is it is a fungi instead of uh, 
a virus or a bacteria. Oh, cordyceps so, energy. We yeah, pre- yeah. We stan a mushroom gal. We stan a fun guy. <laughs> a fun guy. A fun um, And there's also, like, a few other uh, threats. Like, raiders are uh, people who's, who are not zombies, not infected in that way, but their minds have sort of uh, gone and they are cannibals and really aggressive. So you've got all kinds of like nasty post apocalyptic uh, dangers, and mm. uh, we are delivering um, packages. Pa- oh, nice! So a delivery is that the sort of general yeah, the main base service? Oh, okay. Um, is, it, is it a set adventure or is it home no? Group? Oh, uh, so it's as I understand, it's pretty much just homebrew. Uh, I'm lucky that uh, being able to stream on Onyx Path is Twitch. Um, we get sometimes people um, who have worked on it because it's it's their Twitch, it's their IP, uh, mm. and so uh, sometimes we're doing a module. Sometimes we're showing off a module that's coming out soon or a new thing that's coming out soon. Sometimes it's um, so sometimes it's homebrew, but we're showing a new expansion or whatever. So um, this specifically um, seems to just be homebrew. Um, I think it's mostly based off of the fact that one of our players decided that the group that they want their character to be a part of, because you can choose from different groups, is the Postal Service. Okay. But his goal is to like create a better shipping company. <laughs> I love this player. I'm Very feeling goofy. The Last of Us. I'm feeling the post-apocalyptic version of, I think it was called Just the Postman. I'm also feeling... Yeah. Yep. What was that? Um, uh, what was that Kojima game that came out? Oh, I know what you're talking about. I'm but getting Terry Pratchett going... Oh! I've got okay. Death Stranding mixed with Going Postal by Terry Pratchett is where I'm seeing this at the moment. <laughs> I do believe that uh, Death Stranding was actually one of the inspirations. That makes uh, sense. Of our GM. So, nice. yeah, I'm a Sawbones. Uh, so I just, yep. A Sawbones? I'm a Sawbones. A uh, so, like a doctor, but like a sort of slapdash, like on the field sort of doctor, as opposed to like. Is this, a, is this regular slang that the kids are using, or am I it, behind? It's, it's an Americanism. A Sawbones. A Sawbones? Yeah. I, uh, I've. I've only ever heard of it in TTRPGs. I've heard of it. They, they, Sawbones is a class in Onyx Path, and it's also a um, pursuit in Through the Breach. And so that's how I know about it. Right. I've literally but... never heard this phrase before in my entire life. And for a very brief yes, second, then, have. I thought you were it's just trying to tell us that you were feeling pain. <laughs> I'm Sawbones. Like, yeah, so do we. I'm so we're old now. <laughs> it's, uh, it's mentioned in Hot Fuzz. Oh, is it? Hot fuzz. It's All a right. regular sawbones. But I, I think I, I think we oh, tend God. to say sore as in like, ouch, that hurts. It is sore. As but, opposed to... Uh, it's phonetically, yeah, sore as in... Sawbones. Oh, gosh, here we all go. Sawbones. Sawbones. Regular sawbones. I mean, it's a badass name. I love it. Sawbonesy. Wait. Sir Bonesy. Wait, no. So, oh, Sawbones V. That oh, that's what has just been typed into the chat. Oh yeah, the I think I pressed... thing. You put a V in there as well, and I was I like, wait, v. 
What? It's still the link still works. Is this the Russian spelling? Sorbons. But yes, so I just wanted to give a quick rundown on that. I will ramble about it more once we're a little further in. (laughs) What other things have people been playing? Uh, I was going to be playing my fifth edition home game, but we had to delay. But that means I've got more prep time to think of things to do. But again, that is going to be in the prep part. Uh, And then I am trying to put together some Lancer stuff. But again, that's going to be in the prep bit. Um, hey, Sam. Yes, there's yeah. an idea. Shall we yeah. seamlessly transition to the prep bit? Let's seamlessly Ooh. transition. Seamless transition, seamless transition, seamless transition, seamless transition. Thank you once again to Bohanna Brigade for giving me some session prep materials so that I can talk about session prep this week uh, i heartily recommend that you go over to etsy type in bohanna brigade and check out the shop bundle it is a big bulk buster load of pdfs that you can get uh, so that's everything not including the adventure modules such as the towers of scarlet robes which i really recommend you check out so within the shop bundle that's absolutely everything for about 21 dollars right now it's the mpc catalog the dd easy dm notes digital download the city reference notes the session notes the familiar reference card the mpc cards the minimalist character sheet digital download the spell tracker digital download the initiative tracker download and a dm battle sheet <laughs> can all be yours for the price of 21 dollars or about 22 pounds sterling uh, yes, we go in and talk about this a bit later, and I will talk about it at the end of the show. It's kind of like a round-off, but thank you once again to Bohannon Brigade. Uh, I recommend that you hop off to Etsy, check them out, and see what other amazing things that they have in store. Thank you very much. So, for our discussion topic, I wanted to talk about TTRPG session preparation Uh, I alluded to it in our ad section for last episode uh, because it's something that I thought would be rather relevant and and we will bring in uh, what our ad was because I find that product very useful. I will start off because I have some thoughts. Dangerous. Uh, I know. Dangerous, (laughs) unstable and volatile. Um, I think there is fundamentally three different ways that session prep happens and i'm gonna say it the standard of the like high fantasy rules crunchy ttrpgs um and and i'm also including like starfinder in this starfinder pathfinder and D can be some of the hardest most difficult things to prep for here here because of and and because i think because of the because of the pure variety of stuff that's out there and there's always a better way of doing this and a better way of doing that and then one of the things i struggled with was that i i started from very little session prep uh, and i was really struggling to get that done when i was running uh, full disclosure so i was running tyranny of dragons back when i was uh, living at home with my parents and i was working away a lot and i basically read the the chapter ahead that we were going to do and then i ran it that week uh, and like I, I, uh, I got burnt out, and so we had to switch GMs midway through that campaign. Oh, shit. So I GM the first half, and Chris GM the second half. Now Chris is 
much better at picking up that module and running it than I was. And I'm so glad that he just picked it up and ran because I was so absolutist about the text that I was tying myself in knots actually getting it done. However, he just saw the text as guidelines and just generally went through that. Um, I had the best uh, and the easiest session prep I've ever done is for Monster of the Week, which is by design meant to be prepped. Like I've, I've watched so much stuff and the lead writer was saying, if you spent more than half an hour on session prep, you've prepped too much. And I appreciate like, when they can set, you know, be like, look, that's not this type of game. You shouldn't you shouldn't have to worry this much about it, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, I would as a as a writer full time. Mm. Um, we create plans for the scripts that we write. The plans are never more than five hundred words, and that is for a script of four to eight thousand words. If a if a plan is over five thousand, if a, if a plan is over five hundred words we send it back and say, cut it down because what you will end up doing is relying so heavily on that plan and yes. going back to it so much. And so rigidly, you will not allow any of the really good ideas that come to you in the moment to actually flourish on the page. And it's the same. And if, that's, that's what I do for prep. I, except for me, I, I do mostly bullet points. Yes. You know, same. if, if I've got to remember some details, then we've got a few sentences here or there. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, it is bullet. Everything is bullet pointed. Yes. Um. That's how I prep. Same. I, I keep everything in a word doc. Any notes, any major changes. Namely, I use shorthand to sort of figure stuff out, character arcs and whatnot. Um, but I find Word really helpful because you have the find function, and that way, whenever yes. someone in you know in game goes, oh, um is npc blair here and i go i've got no fucking idea who that is quick control find Mm. yes they would be here of course why wouldn't i remember that from 19 sessions ago uh yeah and here they are selling some bullshit (laughs) the worst part is remembering to take really quick shorthand notes when you're coming up with things just off the cuff because otherwise you've got like oh yeah is a yeah, is still there? Sorry, who? Yeah. <laughs> Entirely. I I got really... Uh, so recently, whilst I was rebuilding a lot of my 5e stuff for my home group, uh, someone recommended that I do OneNote. And OneNote is a fantastic tool. It can be really useful. And I've seen some amazing GMs do amazing things with it. It's too expansive for me. I will, I will be endlessly over designing in OneNote for days and days and days and have done very minimal prep. So what is OneNote? So OneNote is a Microsoft uh, product that basically it's just individual pages and then you can organize them in in stacks and stuff. Uh, it's probably better to think of it as like an actual lever arch folder and you've just got those dividers and then you can oh. put pages and pages in. However, you can obviously put you can put images, you can put text, you can do this, but they're all designable. So you can like change the size of this and put this image here and put a link in here and they can all link to each other. So if you click on this NPC's name, it will go through to their NPC page. If you wanted to, it's the back end of what um, World Anvil does, which is much better at linking all that stuff and taking away a lot of the heavy lifting. However, when I get 
to grips with a system like that, my brain looks for the optimum way to organize this and I over-organize the system rather than do the session prep. You are very detail-oriented in that regard is something mm. I've noticed. And like, you strike me as someone who, when running a campaign, is really afraid they're going to miss something out. Yep. That it's a hurdle. It's such a huge hurdle to overcome, but I feel you, massively feel you. Um, but I yeah, was a lot more like that uh, when I first started DMing and it was only getting myself out of that that uh, increased the longevity of my ability to DM. So, because I would just get so lost in the weeds, you know? Yeah, and all the little, I, the minutiae of every I, element of every character, making sure everything goes perfectly and smoothly for you, but then you've got all of these notes and, and so much information to try and figure out how to tie together, making sure yeah. there's no loose ends. Can't have yep. that. <laughs> Hated it. Oh. You know I found the more time I put into prep, I found I was more disappointed in the sessions and yep. where we got mm -hmm. to. And I, at a point, uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'll admit this. I actually started to resent my players because they weren't investing into the plot and stuff that I had spent maybe 10 hours that week, maybe like more. And it's not their fault. They're no. just playing at the surface level that's presented. They don't know that I've done 10 hours of prep getting this series of images right. and making sure the texts line up and making sure that all these clues are... They don't fucking care. Like, they <laughs> love playing the game, but they're not going to be there like, hang on, was this elvish script on the front of this, uh, this graveyard? There are no elves in this kingdom. So, like... I will tell you where my moment of realisation came in. It was more of a moment of reaffirmation um, mm. of what I kind of already knew but I'd got I had gotten back into old habits and the first few sessions for quite a few sessions actually in this this campaign I was DMing I was doing not 10 hours um, but you know upward of four four hours of prep a week you know for mm. sessions things like that really like just trying to put everything out and then one time I just didn't have the time and it caught up on me and I had to wing it and everyone had just as much fun. And I went, yeah. fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's more than one way to game the system. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it it takes that moment, that that click. I feel like everybody who goes in the first time, if they are really invested in making it the optimum experience for their players, they try and make it as perfect as possible. And then they realize not too long after that they have the capacity to be able to just on the fly go yeah sure that thing exists in the space that you believe it does now um yeah let's call back to this absolutely oh maybe maybe somebody did leave their sigil here uh sigil symbol whatever it may be yeah and sometimes flying it off the cuff and allowing the players themselves to come up with the story is way more fun than having it carved out session by session, hour by hour, to make sure all of the little bits line up and all of the loose ends are tied up and all of the, to make sure it's completely fulfilling. None of that nonsense. I just... Do you believe that the understanding of the game, the mechanics and the setting, if you get to a point where you understand them fundamentally enough, you understand that that point you can then improv from there and you know how well the rules work so you know where to break them that it works just as well. 
I'd argue both yes and no. I'd say yes, uh, absolutely knowing how everything works in the world will make it way easier for you to be able to break it Mm. and then fix it and then break it again and fix it again in a maybe a more um, story cohesive pattern uh, that aligns to what you have in mind. I'd also say no, because I have no fucking idea about any of the rules. I hate rules. I think rules are dumb. I like it when you roll a dice and add up numbers and then I get Mm -hmm. to go, cool, you beat the guy to death because I want you to. Um, Sure. I I so much more prefer that. uh, But you you understand the rules of the table, not the rules of the game. You understand that someone wants to roll the dice, make a big thing happen, and you've elaborated the story for the point that I understand what needs to happen now. The big person needs to die at this point in the story. So you can break the rules as written to achieve the story as desired. I think you do understand. The story as desired, yes. The rules as written. Again, no idea. No idea how anything works. Grappling? What the fuck is grappling? No one's ever grappled. Nobody's Don't ever worry. grappled anyone. Is it opposed straight anyway? I thought it was opposed straight. I don't even know. Um, a great example, Jelamiah, played by Nacho in the Questing mm. Time Moonlighters campaign. Um, Jelamiah was a fighter who really hated using his battle axe and loved just punching things with his fists. Now, Jelamiah is a sweet angel baby. I love him dearly. Um, Jelemiah was never going to, he was up against a lot of guards at one point in time, and he was never going to kill them all, ever. By punching them with punching fists. them to death. As a, as a your, jelly person. Oh, he was doing 1d4 Your strength damage. modifier plus your, yeah. Every time, 1d4 of damage, every time, plus the, plus the strength <laughs> mod. Um, I broke the game and made him become a big ice person so that he was stabbing with effectively what were knives on the ends of his hands. And I don't know how that was meant to work. It wasn't meant to work. It was never designed to work. It was designed to be fun. Um, And I could have never prepped for that. Uh, There was a point during Moonlighters where I was trying to prep for every eventuality and then I realized very quickly that if I continued to do that, I would burn myself out and also nobody would have any fun because I would be the main one talking about nonsense. I wanted my players to play the game. I wanted them to interact with the stuff and I wanted them to go and find stuff out. I wasn't expecting anybody to set up a stall selling smut soup and blood. Where would that come in? I wasn't expecting anyone to try and sell smut soup and blood. And that's exactly what you all did. But I think I I noticed that because you had such a rich amount of lore and there was a large amount of the world that we were exploring. And then I noticed whatever we were doing, a couple of sessions after that, whatever we were doing was the correct thing. Yeah, Yeah. that's the best way to DM, in my opinion. Yes. Um, You are correct. it's it's like if you just like oh they didn't i ran into that now this is at this point years ago like upward of a decade but i ran into where i would get stuck because it was like oh ever you know everyone didn't pick the way they were supposed to and no that's not how it worked and that was when i you know sure a few years after that i started my um ask blog that i ran for many years a dnd ask blog on tumblr for many years um and one of the things I would say often was like, yeah, okay, if you go in and you play or plan a lot of things or you're really excited, you've really fleshed out this whole store or whatever that you're really excited about, and your players walk right past it, 
put it in another town later. Yep. Nobody will ever know. Bring it back. <laughs> Just, oh, you get to make the story. You yeah, it, put it back in. <laughs> it's so flexible and where we back ourselves into corners as DMs is when we treat it as if it's inflexible. If I think. DMs build their campaigns as a series of hinge points where it's if they don't do this thing, they miss out the story. Mm. You've built the campaign wrong. Yeah. Mm. People would love 100%. to. I would love to say there's no way to to build a campaign wrong. There absolutely is. It's it's the one that doesn't accommodate the players. It's the one that you've made very very rigidly, Tomb of Annihilation style, and then throw your players through with walls on either side. They can only go forward. There's no going back. And then eventually at the end they die and resent you. Yep. Is yeah, I mean some parties yeah. might enjoy that. I don't know. Right. You just have <laughs> that discussion very explicitly at the beginning, Absolutely. I guess. But um, generally speaking, uh, it, I have one of my worst experiences with a DM. And I say worst because it could have been so good. Like sometimes you have a campaign that's that was just all right, like all mm. the way around. We weren't that invested. Somebody was a rules lawyer, whatever. Right. Yeah. But this is one, easily one of the worst experiences because everyone, including the DM, was so invested in the story. The characterization was there. It could have been something beautiful. But the DM was so hung up on hitting the necessary story points and getting to a certain point each time. I've planned for the session to end here, so yeah. you guys can't um, roleplay too much this time. You can't interact too much this time because we need to get to this story point that I've written out. And it was miserable. Yeah. It was even more miserable when everyone was complaining to me about it and I tried to, as nicely as possible, ask the DM if they, you know, wanted to bounce anything off me and that some people were frustrated they didn't get to, you know interact as characters mm. uh and uh i got thrown under the bus uh and told that um i was being a jerk and nobody came out oh. and said nobody came out and said that they had all been complaining about it behind <gasps> their back and uh, i got asked from the group oh my goodness well i yep. mean i mean well that's one way to exit a shit game um yeah so they could continue but- all being miserable together <laughs> Lovely. And it was just, it was terrible because like, obviously I didn't have, I, I was, I was frustrated at times, but I don't think I was the most upset about it. At mm. least judging by everyone who was coming to me mm. and being upset that they didn't have a chance to characterize it, you know, but this, mm. I'm slightly off topic here. Um, just to say that that was dumb and communication is important and you should also be able to receive constructive criticism. Absolutely. But... Um, the point there being, because it really was an amazing story, she had created a really amazing story that probably would be a great novel because that's what was happening. Oh. We were listening to her novel. I've, seen, the... I've seen novel problem before, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so sad because D&D at its element is collaborative and if she had let us into that story and let and, and dropped the reins just a little, that could have been just mind-blowing like yeah. that could have easily been one of the best campaigns any of us will have ever been in and that's just not how it turned out so, i wonder if she was you shoot so... yourself in the foot <laughs> i wonder if she was so 
trying to create a campaign similar to a pre-written or prefabricated version and have right. it so that it's got these set points that you all have to hit, but with so little flexibility that it's actually ruined it instead of letting you... She was a new player, or sorry, a new DM. Oh. And originally she had been like, hey, um, I really like want your feedback. Uh, and I hadn't given much because, you know, at first, like the first year, six or seven episodes, sessions, whatever, it, it wasn't bad. And I didn't want to overwhelm her by like, have you tried this? Have you thought? Because it was going pretty well, but it just got progressively worse the more into the narrative part she got the less she let her players do anything and um at that point she had seemed to have changed her mind about wanting my help or feedback (laughs) but I was being put up to it by all of the other players who Mm. then uh Mm. pretended like they hadn't said anything to me about it that was rough (laughs) I have I have a term that I use for dms that tend to do that um, and that really enjoy steering and not giving the players any narrative structure themselves and their dollhouse DMs in my book. And Ooh, it is, yeah. you are all pieces in my house. And yes. I will move you where you need to be. You interact here very limitedly and then next room. But now you're here and now you're here. You can't do that. I'll because show you... you this element that I've planned. I'll show you this room I've built. Yes. exactly this i will describe to you the thing that is happening to you around you but you don't actually get to to do anything within that sphere you don't get to impact the shape of the building you don't get to um you know go and see the gardens or or imagine anything beyond that you get to sit in the house and drink your tea shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) and yeah and that's what it felt like and I would say that um I'm such a tit about this because I'm I'm so adamant but I really do just believe that D&D is a collaborative game and um there are other things you can do if you want a less collaborative experience you don't need to drag four to six people along while you write your novel just write your novel and then ask them if they'll read it (laughs) Uh, there was something that Brennan Lee Mulligan said in an interview a while ago and I can't remember who it was with I want to say it was Abria Uh, he was sort of explaining how being a DM works he's like imagine like your players are a ball at the top of a hill um, and it's your job to get down to the bottom of the hill that's your job is to get them down to the bottom now that's not to say it has to be a straight line but you can curve the pathway any way you want for this ball to go down. And the way the ball acts will determine which pathway you take. Like, yeah, it feeds absolutely. back. It's, it's, but you have to realize that this has to wind and it has to go a different way. It can't just, it, it, you can go straight down if you want it to be over quick, fine. Right. <laughs> but usually that's not the goal. Yeah. You want to create a pathway that's both beautiful to look at and for the players to move down. Uh, it's a it's a bit of both the, and I think to yeah oh sorry go ahead no 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 um, I was just gonna say to wrap like that whole thought in a pretty little package I think some of the times that we've all run into the most difficult situations either as a GM or DM or with other people DMing is when you yourself or that DM 
has become so rigid and so yeah. over focused on prep that yes. they've forgotten to enjoy the experience. Yes. Oh. It and 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 to that point, like I've been there. I've been the dollhouse GM because I've been staring at the the module. I've been doing all the session prep. I've been uh, been upset that people whose backstory said they should have done this and they did something else. Well, that I couldn't have planned that. You you've just got to allow yourself to share the ball down the hill. Mm. And yeah, everyone can improvise. I feel so. I think it scares so many people as a concept. Mm. Um, that you don't have the notes to rely on or, or a description to go to and you have to reach into the back of your head and go, okay, what does this thing look like? What would be here? What would be... Make it up, pretend, because whatever you say, you can always go, oh, I actually meant that. You can correct. You can actually, you can go back and, and change things or you can ask for clarification on bits um, or you can, at the end of a session, go, oh, when I said this, I actually meant that, thinking about it now. Or future, nothing is set in stone, I think, is for prep what people also need to keep in mind. I can't remember who said this to me, uh, but for, especially for improv stuff, uh, someone said to me, what happens next in this movie? Yes. Like, you, if you imagine your, your table as like a, a movie, then you can curate, what does it look like? I'm like, you know, the camera pans here and there are stalagmites here and it drips down. What happens next? Well, obviously we're in a cave. So the cave, the, the, the ceiling falls in. So like you can, you can just allow your brain to predictive AI generate whatever <laughs> happens next. And it's fine. Like ultimately no one's going to go home and go, well, it wasn't really realistic. Obviously that's a, that's I can't a granite. Believe the I can't believe the cave fell in. That was BS. <laughs> it was a granite. It's a granite uh, deposition. And obviously that stone's just very stable. Sandstone, I would have believed. God. If your players I can't believe just went there. aren't comfortable going to you for clarification on something like, oh, you actually, you said this, but in my notes it says this. Um, and if you, if you can't deal with that, you, I don't think you should be DMing. Yeah, mm. or it's not if if your if your players aren't comfortable you need going to, to you, yeah. if you're not able to address that, and if you're not able to go, oh yeah, no, absolutely, and see it as not the big deal that it isn't. Like it's it's a non it's a non sequitur. It's just nothing as a, as far as issues go within TTRPGs. Yeah. Then you need to develop skills that would allow you to on the fly and necessary. Also, just being able to take on board other people's viewpoints uh, yeah. and and empathize a little bit more with your players as well and, and go oh uh, okay actually yeah, yeah. let's yeah. change this because as a dm you are in a position of power yes absolutely you you know obviously it's not a position of power with capital letters um but in the game space it is a position mm. of power you're you're guiding the story and um you're the first you should be the first point of contact if there's ever a situation where your player doesn't feel comfortable about something or if your player doesn't feel comfortable with something someone else is doing and they don't feel like they can mm. talk to them. Ideally, they can talk to them yeah. and that, you know, in an ideal world. But if they need help figuring out what to do, they're probably going to come to their GM. Yeah. And if their GM is the sort of person that shuts something down, yeah. it's not going to create a good table space. Exactly. I... 
for campaigns I've written and for campaigns I've played, depending on how people tend to go about a storyline or anything else, because there is nothing to stop players from just throwing the entire story out of the window and going off to look in the woods for mushrooms, right? Mm-hmm. And always keeping that in like the back of my head. The big bad at the end is never one thing in my head. It, it, it is a multitude of five things. And they are very loose themes at, at the beginning of anything. They might have a shape, but more often than not, they're a feeling or they are an emotion. Um, in Moonlighters, it was... the it, Originally, the big bad was going to be the thing that was stealing the memories. And then it became quite clear that people weren't really interested in that. So we changed it. And we made it so that it was a little bit closer to home. And then eventually it was someone's ex-wife that ended up being the big bad. But the more I poked you guys and the more I figured out what would elicit a response, the more I was able to tailor a a big bad at the end of the campaign that actually elicited uh, a, a genuine response that you guys wanted to fight her. God, Jelemiah ripped out the neck of the guy that had been... Yeah, that bit on your we boat for fucking it. you were straight up straight up just didn't even think about it just ripped his head off um that sort of response is what i'm trying to lead up to in any campaign whenever i am prepping for something and so i might have at the beginning in some notes like this is what i imagine the big bad will be it will be something taking things we never got to that um that part of the story at all realistically there were lots of breadcrumbs dropped but nobody rolled rolled right to put that together so it was like cool okay what else have we got in the trunk something else another fear another part of the backstory another part of the history another fear an ex-wife an ex-wife boom big bad (laughs) big bad and the more that was fed into the campaign the more i could pluck out the more i could then tease out and it's that teasing element that then feeds into a better campaign in my opinion that's how i love to build you can't do that if your players aren't giving you anything to work with but when your players give you something to work with and then you take that and you work with it there's nothing more rewarding for like anyone in that space absolutely i've never i know it can i know it can but i've never seen it go wrong it can and if it does (laughs) you just gotta negotiate that uh because you know but i've so far, I've never seen someone's backstory or big fear or whatever be worked in in a way where someone went, oh, actually. Yeah. But it does happen. It does. And that's when you have to, you know, have those yeah. graces uh, to be okay with that. But uh, usually it's very rewarding. Uh-huh. If, oh, go on. If we were going to cohese our thoughts about session prep. Yes. Uh, I was going to say... My 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 thoughts are you have to know your whole arc. Because as you say, it doesn't matter if they go to the wrong town, the, the villain in the red cape appears in the town that they're going to go to, right? So know the whole arc so you can shift stuff about. And I think my other one is understand how, and I know this is going to be very nebulous for everyone, understand what's the best way for you to prep and do that. So, as I've alluded to before, uh, the 
prep that I do through Bauhannon Brigade, their, their little PDFs, where I can just, it gives me little prompts. What's the thing that needs to be done here? What's the thing that happened last time? Just giving me that so I can not, you know, design 100 images for a thing. All of the sessions where I've done that on have gone much better than the ones that I've over-designed a dwarven, like, multi-tier dungeon that they didn't look at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My my cohesive thought is keep it simple, stupid. Yep. Yep. Um, mine is flexibility is key. Realistically agreed. <laughs> I just thought I'd be a smartass. <laughs> I think that is that is a good cohesive roundup of all of our thoughts and feelings on on the session Ooh. prep topic. Are there any resources that people would suggest uh, for their particular style of prepping that have helped them? As I have said, Microsoft Word is my go-to, mainly because I'm a cheap bitch and I enjoy using the same thing over and over and over and over and over. Um, Google Docs. <laughs> Google Docs. Google Docs, Microsoft um, Word. Sam? If uh for me, it's it's Google Docs. Uh, I've used a, my same way of uh, capturing my thoughts and processes, and Google Docs is available everywhere. So I'm just able to throw in the idea of the thing I need to do, and I've got access to it everywhere. So that means I can call on it and go, yep, it's just in the Google Doc. I really like visuals, so I save a lot of pictures on Pinterest boards. Very Ooh. good. That's nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Google Docs and the the... And the papers that Burhan and Brigade provide for you at Etsy.com. Link is available in the description. Uh, (laughs) We like uh, a nice streamlined prep. (laughs) Absolutely. Nice and easy. Nice and easy. Nice and easy. Perfect. Okay. CJ, where can we find more of your work? Yes. Hi. Uh, I'm known on the internet as CJ Starry. Uh, you can find me on all of social media under that, um, including Twitch, or you can find me um, where I play TTRPs. At present, that is Ink and Liar, L-Y-R-E, on Twitch, and also The Onyx Path. So that's Onyx Path's Twitch as well. Um, that's it for now. Uh, other things in the works, and uh, can't wait for the next episode. Jess. Oh. Oh, wait. Okay, that was it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, You can find more of my nonsensical ramblings on Twitter, uh, at Dr. Bees. The full doctor, the full bees. Together. No hyphen. Um, Generally, all you will find on there is terrible jokes and hilarious takes and pictures of me, because that's where my self-worth comes from these days. Uh, With regards to TPTRPG stuff, I'm not currently in anything. However... Uh, my partner, Paul Foxcroft, the immense Paul Foxcroft, the amazing Paul Foxcroft, uh, oh, is the owner-runner of Questing Time. Uh, Questing Time will be back soon. Um, we have just finished the last uh, Moonlighters campaign. We are currently tossing up between two and or three separate campaigns, including but not limited to Wrath and Glory, the 40k playthrough, um, Vampire the Masquerade, ooh la la, um, and finally, City of Mist. So there's a lot to be played around with there. Also, I highly recommend checking Questing Time out on Twitter uh, and Instagram because huge things are coming soon from them. And it would Goodness. be really cool if you wanted tickets to stuff in the future. 
I'm not I'm I'm not even hyping it up like a lot. Like it's just a big thing that's gonna be very cool soon. Um go over to Questing Time on Twitter, Questing Time Comedy on Instagram, and you'll be one of the first to know when that stuff drops. Um Yeah. It's exciting. It's a big time. Mm. And Paul's fantastic and amazing. And uh, yeah, I'm a big old simp for him. Great stuff. That's fair. I mean, excellent times. Sam, where can we find more of your stuff? You're already listening to At the Table. We're already here. Um, (laughs) So presumably, unless you've just immaculately found this podcast, in which case, hi. Um, where I'm on Project Headphones on nearly everything. I'm trying out a few different social media because uh, Twitter is very interesting and exciting because I haven't been on it for years. So I'm I'm just collating like nice people who are nice, but I'm slowly finding the nasty bits again. So I'm going to oh. play around with uh, just social media that works. So if you put Project Headphones in places and it comes up with the little headphone symbol inside a piece of paper, that is me. So there you go. Um Yes, so you can find me there or you can email sam at projectheadphones.com. I might do either some bonus episodes or some Twitch streams looking at like my exact session prep if you wanted specifics. I know we, we went here for like round vibes and like stuff like that. So I would be prepping D&D 5th edition and Lancer. Um, so yes, Ooh. I might pop that on because I've heard a few people asking how I'm doing stuff on Foundry, so I may do that. That's a good uh, idea. Yes, for the visual Ooh. learners uh, amongst us, that's actually a yeah. really nice idea. You get it. You get to see stuff. Maybe not my face, but stuff. <laughs> stuff that exists <laughs> I don't in the know sphere. What accent that was. Oh, it wasn't an accent, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> what was what was the uh, what, 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 what was the uh, nope? I've lost it. Several episodes ago, we uh, we had a oh yes, uh, Papa's uh... oh Papa's hot manga shelf or something. Yeah, oh, no. yeah. Papa's forbidden it? manga shelf. Is that it... was it. Papa's forbidden manga. No. <laughs> this is where the magical girl TTRPG will live. Uh, oh, <laughs> I can't have our like our publishing line be Papa's forbidden manga shelf. <laughs> but That's what if cursed. it was? But what if it was, Sam? We've not, what if it was? We've not let it die. It's still here. I it's still persevering. It I can't fire. wait to make the three-page mechanics Papa's Forbidden TTRPG. <laughs> well, stay glued to your social media, folks. <laughs> Thank the you ever so much for next listening. Next April 1st. <laughs> oh, God. Thank you ever so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next Take time. Take care. Bye. Fuck the toys. Bye. Bye. Fuck the toys. <laughs>you for listening to our show at the table has been a project headphones production you can see more of our work over at projectheadphones.com to support this show please head over to patreon forward slash at the table pod to get in contact with the show please email at the table pod at projectheadphones.com or if you want to speak to me email sam at projectheadphones.com please remember to rate review and share amongst your friends it's the best way we can get the show out there and do bigger things uh, so next episode will be episode 10 which is wild to think considering we've done this every two weeks uh, for a while especially over Christmas and New Year's and everything uh, so I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening in and getting engaged in a new project where I've managed to work with some amazingly very talented people 
and and speak to people beyond who I thought would be possible to talk to. Uh, so it's been a fantastic journey. Uh, we may change up a couple of things. Uh, we're not quite sure yet. With CJ, Jess, and I will have a a tete-a-tete and organize some stuff Uh, but I just wanted to say thank you so much Uh, it's really appreciated for you coming along on our journey with us thank you and roll well